God bless you. Uh, you may be seated if you would. So glad that you are here today. It's a good day, isn't it? Hey, I, I want to, before I get started, I want to mention to welcome everybody that's here, everybody that's online. Uh, this Tuesday, this Tuesday, we're going to be celebrating because uh, Vanessa has finished her chemo treatments. Yeah, isn't that great? So, so this is what we're going to do. On Tuesday night at 6.30, we're going to meet in the back of the parking lot and walk over to her house, and we're going to have a drive-by praising. We're going to go by and, and sing, and, and uh, we'll stand out in the, in the yard and, and, uh, and just let her know that we love and appreciate her. And we're rooting for her. And we're cheering her on. So, uh, so that's on Tuesday night, 6.30. So if you want to meet in the back of the parking lot, we'll walk over there. It's only about a half a block over. So, unless it's raining, and then I'm going to drive. So. Hey, let me ask you a question. I, I want to talk to you today uh, for a little while about making a decision. Have you ever found yourself where you're in a situation where you had a hard time making a decision? One of, the, one of the things that irritates me more than anything else is when I go to McDonald's, and don't look at me that way, I'm not the only one that keeps McDonald's going. So, so you go to McDonald's, and when you walk into McDonald's, the screen on the left is exactly like the screen on the right. Have you ever noticed that? And you're standing behind somebody, and they're doing, I think I'll, um, I think I'll, um, I think, and they keep going back and forth, and it's like, just pick something. In fact, I'll pick it for you. You need a Big Mac and an order of fries. Or, or you go to a restaurant. I love going to a restaurant, and, and, but I like them with a simple menus. And three things or less works well for me. You ever gone to a uh, restaurant that has about a thousand things on the menu and they all look good? And you can't make up your mind what you want? And finally, because everybody else in the group has, has made their decision, you make your decision. And then after you make your decision, you see somebody else's food go by and you think, oh, I wish I would have got that. Sometimes in life, it's harder to make decisions. And and, and it's really nothing new. Right now, in, in our culture, in our day, in our time, there are many decisions that, that all of us are making. We have political decisions. We have, we have uh, decisions that, that are affecting our health. We have uh, cultural decisions. There are so many voices out there, and they're demanding that we, that we choose. And today, I want to talk to you for just a, a little while about making those right decisions, about making decisions that will last for an eternity. I'm going to see if... I want to talk to you about making the right choice. Now, I want to read out of, out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, this is a story about Elijah the prophet. In 931 B.C., the, uh, the kingdom split. Jeroboam uh, took ten tribes and, and developed the northern kingdom, and Rehoboam, which was Solomon's son, took two tribes, and they were down, and they became Judah, 
and the northern became Israel. And, and Elijah was a prophet to the northern ten tribes. And, and if you look at the history, they never had a good king. Isn't that amazing? And, and somewhere about 60 years after that split, the king was Ahab. Now, Ahab was, was a political fellow. He was, he was and did whatever was expedient to advance his cause. So he decided that he would marry the daughter of one of the local nations to bring about peace. So he married Jezebel. Everybody heard that name, right? So he marries Jezebel, and, and Jezebel's god was Baal, or Baal. Or, and, and, and Baal was what she, uh, who he, she worshipped. So she had 450 prophets of Baal that she fed, that she took care of. And Ahab, being uh, the good husband that he was, allowed her to worship Baal in the northern kingdom and actually even built her a temple where she could worship Baal. But she wasn't satisfied with that. She wanted all of Israel to worship Baal. Have you ever noticed uh, this statement is true if you give an inch? They'll take a mile. See, there's, there is some, way, some things that in this life we cannot compromise on. Ahab was the great compromiser. Ahab was the great political chameleon that did what he thought was expedient to advance him. He didn't care about anything else. And what's interesting about Baal, Baal was the god of fertility. He was actually the god of rain. See, you lived in an agricultural region, and it was a very arid region, so most of the gods that the nations had were, were gods that, that they would pray to for rain so they could have crops so they could survive. And, and God spoke to Elijah three and a half years before this story, and he went to Ahab and he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And then he took off and ran and hid. And God hid him. And for three and a half years, it did not rain. And you say, well, why was God doing that? It's because God was helping them understand that it's not Baal that brings rain, but it's Yahweh that brings rain. So, so here in this story, Elijah has come to Ahab and he said, I, I want a showdown between Yahweh, Jehovah, and, and Baal. So go get all of the prophets of Baal and, and bring them to, uh, to Mount Carmel and we are going to build and we're going to have a, a test and see which God answers. So in this story, that's where we pick up. It's a showdown. And in 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah went before the people, and this is what he said. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. 
But the people said nothing. I want you to look at this, that he went before the people. He went to God's people because Elijah knew and understood that God's people needed direction. They needed purpose. They needed to hear the voice of God in their life because the leadership had allowed this, this, this worship of Baal to enter in into their culture, into their society. And, and one thing about God is that he will not share his throne with anybody. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt worship him with all thy might and thy soul and thy strength. If you think God is going to share his preeminence in your life, or in the life of his people, you are fooling yourself. God is the only one that sits on the throne of the heart. And if you allow anything else in your life, God is going to challenge you and provoke you and encourage you and get you to confront it and renounce it because he has preeminence. He is your God. So Elijah was concerned with the direction of God's people. And notice it wasn't the whole earth that he called together, but he called God's people together. And you say, well, that's a, a theme that you kind of had last week too. Yes, it is. And we'll probably stay on this theme until we get the understanding uh, in our minds and in our hearts that if change is truly going to be made, it starts right here in the house of God. It starts right here in the hearts of men and women that have given their lives to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. If you want radical change, if you want this world to be turned right side up, and if you want morality, if you want the presence of God, if you want the rain from heaven, it's going to be from God's people. See, Elijah knew that the promises were to his people. Elijah knew, and he spoke to the ones. He was speaking to the nation that had mixed their religion with the religions of the world. And he, and he posed this question, and I think this is a question for the ages. I think this has so much bearing on us in this time. And he poses the question, how long will you waver between two opinions? The Hebrew simply means halt or limp. How long are you going to limp between one decision or the other? Is it Yahweh or is it Baal? And he said, how long are you going to look between one or the other? Who is going to bring the rain? Who is going to provide for your future? Who is going to give you what you need? I believe that we're in a time today where God's people need to decide if they're going to trust in God or they're going to trust in man. Are they going to trust in the ways of God or are they going to trust in the ways of man? Two opinions. Is it man or is it God that brings rain? Is it God or government? Can government do for you what God does? See, humanity is seeking answers that, and the church is not providing them. 
I want you to think about that for a moment. See, man's attempts about, about justice and about provision and about everything else always falls short because if man has preeminence, that excludes God, and God is not going to allow that. God always has preeminence in everything. And this world needs to understand that the real solution to all of the questions that we are, are, are faced with, that are any question that's posed to you, is, is not found in Washington, nor is it found any other place in this world. It's found at the cross of Christ. We are the voice of Christ in this world, and Christ is the only answer. Our responsibility to the world is our commission to convince others that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we can't convince others, I'm going to say it. You ready for it? We can't convince others if we're not convinced ourselves. We can't convince others to follow Christ if we're following Christ and other things. The Bible says that an unstable man is... He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I, need, I have met several people in my life that really need to pray for wisdom. Some more than others. I'm in that. And it will be given them. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What is, what is uh, the writer of James telling us? Is that, that if you are a Christian, you need to be focused on the things of God. That you have to have a singleness of mind, singleness of heart, singleness uh, of devotion. You need to have one focus, and that is the cause of Christ. Here's what Isaiah 50 in verse 7 says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore sh shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be Ashamed. What is Isaiah saying to us? He is saying that if you want anything from God, if you want wisdom from God, if you want direction from God, if you want purpose from God, if you want to see the Great Commission come to fruition in your life, then you need to set your mind like a flint that there is nothing else but Christ. It's the cause of Christ that will transform your life, the lives of those around you, the lives of our community. There is no, there is no government plan. There is no person in leadership that can be a substitute for the presence and the power and the mightiness of Christ alone. Be all in with God, totally committed to Him. And then allow your actions to be a byproduct of your commitment. I want to say that again. Allow your actions to be a byproduct of your commitment to Christ. You're saying, well, Pastor, are you saying that we shouldn't, uh, that we shouldn't 
do anything but just preach the gospel? No, I'm not saying that. You, we need to go out and we need to minister and we need to, if there's a cause that is just and right, then we need to stand behind it and we need to stay focused on it. But if that cause does not lead to Christ, then I am not giving my voice to it. This last week we had a district conference here and it was great. Uh, had a great time. I'm always glad when they come and I'm always glad when they go. We decided on stuff. And, and so afterward, we, at Tuesday they had lunches here and they had some left over. So on Wednesday, I know uh, Alan and Jewel went out. And I'd, I'd gone out and we started giving them to the homeless. If you want to get connected, if you want to set your mind like a flint, do the work of the Lord. Go beyond words. And when you embrace that person that is just babbling gibberish because they have lost their mind through drugs, and you can look at them and hand them a lunch and 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 and, and pray with them, and, and your heart breaks because their life is destroyed through sin. And you see the other person that their eyes are so yellow because of, of cirrhosis of the liver that, they, that you know that their days on this earth are limited, and yet you can have compassion on them. Or if you, or if you sit out on the grass by the lake with a couple of guys because you're trying to, to get them to feed, to feed them, to meet that need, so maybe perhaps that you can talk about the spiritual needs in their life. No, my friends, we don't do those things in order to get our mind right. We do those things because our mind is right. We go out and serve others because we know that Christ died for all. So I'm not telling you not to, to be an advocate of, of injustice. I'm just saying to you and to me and to those that are online and to the world, if it does not lead people to Christ, it will be of no value. They need Jesus. I, I found it amazing that Jesus didn't align with any of the, of the religious sects uh, in, in his time. They had zealots, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. And yet you find all of those as part of the apostles. He reached every segment of society. He reached the radicals and he reached those that were fervently pious in their, in their relationship. He, he, he reached all people with this gospel with, with the message of hope. And, and my friends, it doesn't matter who you come in contact with. It doesn't matter what walk of life that they are, they're in. You can reach them with the gospel of Christ. And you can reach them effectively. You can reach them fervently. You can reach them where, they, where the Spirit of God can transform them because there is not one lifestyle that is greater than the other. When the presence of God gets 
a hold of somebody's heart and transforms their heart, radical change begins to happen. But they're not going to believe us until we believe ourselves. If you really want to know the root of the problem in America is, is because America has, has decided that, and, and I, I'm meddling here, okay? I'm just going to say it. Uh, the, America, the church in America has, has blended themselves with politics and has blended themselves with, with society. And the church was never designed to be blended with anything. In fact, the scripture says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We are the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of that eternal kingdom that where Christ is going to rule and reign forever. Anything else other than the kingdom of God pales in comparison to what God has established. We are citizens of that kingdom. We need to walk as citizens of that kingdom. We need to talk as citizens of that kingdom. And I, I, I'm, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. You know, it, it, it bothers me. It concerns me. It helps me understand that when I have friends that post things on, on social media that's for one side or the other side, or they're doing this or doing that, and, and they're advocating for this person or that person, it helps me understand that, that perhaps, just perhaps, they're so focused on, on this life and they've, that they've mingled the gospel with, with the things of this world. And it breaks my heart to see Christians that can, can re, can't renounce the things of this world and follow after Christ. You know, I, I haven't been around as long as some, but I've been around longer than many. And I know this, presidents come and presidents go, and senators come and senators go, and, and, and people in the Senate come and people in the Senate go, but Christ remains faithful, and Christ is the one that we serve. Christ is the one that we give allegiance to. Okay, I quit meddling. Let's go back to preaching. If you'd slide that for me, please. Here's what 1 Kings 18, 29, it says, And Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver? And then he said, At midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying. These are the prophets of Baal. But there was no response. No one answered, and no one paid attention. You know Why? Because they didn't have the answer. Because God had done something that man could not do. And you say, well, I, I think that the issues in our society are, are too powerful. No one can overcome them. And you are absolutely, positively correct. There is not one person that is smart enough, that's powerful enough, that is intellectual enough, that, that can solve the problems of our society. Because our problem in our society is systemic sin. Sin is what has caused the problems in our culture. And the only solution, the only way to rid ourselves of it is to look to the cross of Christ where your sins can be washed away, where you can be born again, where you can be pardoned and forgiven, and you can walk in newness of life. That's where the answers come from. Man's ways can't provide. 
And it's the church's responsibility that, that we need to understand that the rain comes from God and not man, that salvation comes from God and not man, that healing comes from God and not man, that equality is found in God and not man. And it's time for the church to come to an understanding that we need to be all in with Christ. I'm not telling you not to to get involved in other things. I'm just saying if Christ is not your center, if Christ is not your focal point, if Christ is not your all in all, if he's not your end game, if he's not your, uh, the one that you're trying to end up with, then everything else will fall apart. Look, look what 1 Kings 18.30 says. It says, And Elijah said to all the people, he called all the people, not some of the people, not the select few. He didn't call just the priests. He didn't call just those that, that would serve. He called everybody because everybody has to participate. Everybody's voice counts. Your voice counts. Your voice is important. We are the body of Christ. One body. Do you know, and I, I'm going to say this is not in my notes, so this is free. There are many parts to the body. My hands can't do what my feet do. Paul addressed it and said, if you, if you want to be an eye, but you're an ear, you know, why, why are you struggling with wanting to be something that you're not? And I would say this, that a body is comprised of many, many, many parts. Each one different, and each one functions in a different way. But it's still one body. And God puts us together. Have you ever been around people, the children of God, the people of God that drive you absolutely nuts? And I'm going to tell you from experience. If you try to ignore them, God's going to put somebody else in your life that's just like them. Why? Because the issue is not with them, it's with us. When somebody irritates me, I need to change. It doesn't mean I agree with them. But I don't have to agree with somebody to love them. I don't have to agree with somebody to be a part. I can find some common ground, and I always find the common ground in worshiping the Lord. So here he says, so he, he gathers all the people and says, come here to me. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. And I find that a fascinating line, that he calls God's people together, and he said, okay, if you want the rain, if you want to know who really is God, repair the altar. 
And you notice that, that he called the people to repair the altar. If we want rain, if we want the presence of God in our life, we must repair the altar. It's the altar where we ask for forgiveness. It's the altar where we lay down our life. It's the altar where we put our prayers for other people. It's the altar where we say, God, spare your people. It's the altar that brings us into reconciliation with Christ. The altar. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we're trying to, to follow after Christ and we don't have an altar in our life, we're just kidding ourselves. If we're not on, on, a, on a lifestyle that is constantly surrendering our life and our will and our purpose to Christ, then something else will come in and take its place. My friends, if we really want transformation, if we really want salvation, if we really want deliverance, if we really want to see change, if we really want to see the presence and the power of God come in and transform lives and transform cities and transform nations, it's time that God's people begin to build an altar and say, God, whatever is in my life that shouldn't be there, I give it to you and allow the presence of God to change you and transform you and allow God's presence to set your mind and your heart like a flint toward him that nothing will waver or, or, or allow you to be persuaded any other way but to follow him Christ alone is the answer it's in him he offered he offered himself Christ did for us I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Christ alone. Christ alone. Christ alone. I want to ask you to stand with me if you would. And I want to ask you a question. I... I think it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. It needs to be posed to us constantly. Where is your trust placed? And who do you have confidence in? That answer is, well, I, I have confidence in God and you need to build an altar. If you say, I have confidence in God and we need to focus on singleness of heart. God calls his people to repentance because he knows that we need to trust in him and him alone. 
It's in him we live and move and have our being. There are so many voices that are calling for change. I'm adding another voice, and it's the voice of the church. And it's calling for radical change in our lives so that our world can have a radical change. I am tired of seeing the world look at the church as milk toast. I am tired of seeing the, the world look at the church and saying, well, they're this and they're, and they're trying to be politically correct and they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. I, I am wanting the world to see vibrant, passionate followers of Christ that will forsake all and follow him that will say Christ is the answer Christ is the solution and their lives back up what they say if you're here today or if you're online and, and you're watching this and, and, and if the Lord is speaking to your heart I want to encourage you today if you've allowed other things to get into your life, build an altar. Give it to the Lord and allow Him to transform you. Because God is calling His people to be radical followers of Christ. God has amazing things in store, not only for this church, but for his people. We need to repair the altar. We need to get our minds set on him. Not on the temporal things of this life, but on the eternal. Not on the things that, that frustrate us here. Because, because if you look around, I mean, let's face it, I can't watch the news. It's too depressing. Our focus has to be on Christ. If it's, it's Christ alone, singleness of purpose, singleness of heart, singleness of passion, that we make a difference in the lives of those that are around us. As we sing this song, I wonder today if we could just take it as a time of dedication in our lives. As Joshua said, after the children of Israel had conquered the promised land, he stood before the people and he said, I want you to choose this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods of this land or are you going to serve the God that delivered you and set you free and gave you everything that you have? And he said, I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May that be our prayer today. I don't know about anybody else. I can't, I can't decide for anybody else, but I can decide for me. And as for me and my house, we're serving God. We're devoting our lives to God because Christ is going to return. And I want him to find us passionately following him. Would you pray with me?